Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about how to reinvent yourself in midlife. This episode features another interview with someone who is pretty amazing, and she's got some awesome information to share with Women in the Middle. Today, we're talking specifically about how some women find it easy to start a new career, take risks, and basically pivot while others don't. Seriously, it is easy to be overwhelmed with change, with fear, and with decision-making, and we're going to talk about all of it. Sometimes opportunities present themselves. Other times you recognize a whisper deep within your brain, or maybe you hear it in your body, or maybe you hear it or see it or feel it another way, but you know deep, deep, deep down that something needs to change. Whatever which way, the interesting thing to me is what you do next. Do you go back into a hole? Do you crawl into bed? Do you get back to the cave? What do you do? Or do you lean into it with courage and curiosity and take action? That's why I wanted you to meet my guest today. I met her recently, and as we were getting to know each other, she casually mentioned all of the things that she'd done, and I was super interested in her backstory. I find this topic extremely fascinating, and I think you will too. But first, this episode is sponsored by the 50 Unplugged Mastermind, your one-stop coaching experience to get unstuck and get excited about your life again. So if you're ready to have some fun watching yourself blow your own mind and regret-proof your life, then I want to invite you to apply for the 50 Unplugged Mastermind, where you will make amazing new friends, where you will learn how to kick fear to the door and where you will become the confident and brave woman you know you're ready to be. Perhaps you've been in your job too long and are just not feeling it anymore because you know there's more out there for you, or maybe you're having a hard time adjusting to your empty nest or getting older. Life's too short to waste time feeling stuck, so don't waste another second, my friend. Go to www.talktosusie.com and book your kickstart call to see if we're a good fit so we can get you going. Oh, yes, there's also an amazing retreat in Toronto in July, so I want you to get in on that excitement, too. I'm looking for your name in my calendar. All right, ladies, let's do this. My guest this week is Frankie Allen. Frankie is a certified life coach and master of many trades. After years of working and rising to the top in the corporate world while also balancing her own life coaching business, she left her corporate gig in midlife to live the life she'd imagined for herself. A creative strategist by nature, Frankie uses her many years of experience in coaching, developing leaders, speaking, and leading workshops to help women in midlife go from where they are now to where they want to be. Frankie currently resides in Franklin, Tennessee. That is a tongue twister. Frankie lives in Franklin, Tennessee. It's a suburb of Nashville. You will absolutely notice her delightful Southern accent, too. Can't avoid it. That is for sure. I love it. So enjoy the interview. 
Hey, Frankie. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast. Oh, thank you, Susie. I'm so excited to be with you. I just love your podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you. And I love that you are somebody from the South. I never knew so many people from the South and I am loving it. <laughs> so well, I'm sure I will say y'all a few times. So. Oh, I, I hope you do. <laughs> so Frankie and I met a couple of months ago at an event in Chicago. It was a Susan, uh, an event hosted by Susan Hyatt. And we ended up staying at the same hotel and sharing some meals and just really enjoying getting to know each other. And once we were eating and talking, and I could not believe what I was learning about this amazing woman. And the reason I wanted her on the Women in the Middle podcast is because so many of amazing women in the middle, midlife gals, are afraid of change when it comes especially to a career that they've been in for a long time. And what Frankie has done is reinvented herself several times over her career. So I was so excited for her to tell this story. So Frankie, to get us started, talk to me a little bit about what was going on for you in your 40s and what were you doing professionally? Or even before that, what was your career path? So let's, let's back up a little bit, maybe to my 20s, because oh. I think that's sort of where it started. Awesome. In my 20s, I created a mission statement for my life. I will use the creative talents, skills, and abilities that God's given me to help other people reach their full potential and wake up and love what they do. Now, at that time, I thought that mission was going to be teaching. So I taught for about 10 years. I taught fourth grade, and I taught music K through 12, and I spent a year at a college. So during that time, I felt like I was living out my purpose, living out my mission, even on my walls, as the students would walk in, there was always a sign that said, if you can dream it, you can do it. So I have to ask you a question. Where did you get the idea to come up with a mission statement for yourself? Because that is pretty progressive as such a young woman. Well, I've always been a little weird in that I do not like to read fiction. I have always, even since I was young, liked to read nonfiction books. So I was listening to lead the field and, and tapes like that back when they were on cassette tapes, actually. And actually, someone that I read suggested writing a mission statement. I don't even remember at this point who it was. But I thought that would be really cool to have a mission statement for my life. So I created that, and it has stuck with me all these years. I thought that that was my mission in life. I was going to be a teacher, and I was going to help these kids reach their full potential and wake up and love what they do every day. But I started feeling a restlessness that something was just not quite right. I get bored easily, and I call it the knock-in-the-car syndrome. <laughs> so when you are driving down the road and all of a sudden you hear like a knock in your car, you're not sure what it is. Actually, the car is still moving along fine. Everything seems to be going good, but you know something is just not right. And I learned one day when I was driving down the road about 70 miles an hour that you better take care of the knock in the car or you'll end up beside the road. <laughs> so that's kind of the way I am in life. When I start feeling that knock in the car or knock in my body, that restlessness, I know something needs to change. I don't always know what it is, but I knew at that point I was teaching. And although I loved it, I felt like there had to be something more. So at that time, some of you may not remember this, but Jane Fonda 
had come out with her video of, um, it was an exercise video. Oh my God. <laughs> it was hysterical. Although back then we didn't think it was hysterical. We just thought it was the way to be amazing. Yes. I mean, it was so cool. You could have video in your home and, and exercise in your home. Of course, now I would sit there and eat my Snickers bar and drink my soda while I watched Shane Fonda work out. <laughs> so it wasn't real effective for me. But I was watching it one day and my husband came in and he said, hmm, I wonder if you could teach piano by video. Now, I had a music uh, degree as well as an education degree and had played the piano for years and taught music. So I, again, was just challenged. Well, that would be a cool thing to do. So that summer, I actually started creating a how to play the piano video. I wrote all the music for it. I wrote the script for it. And then we actually did produce the video and uh, it took off. So I ended up, I taught the next year and I knew that I needed to make a change, that this was a new life for me. And remember that mission statement, even with the video, the instructional videos, I was helping people reach their full potential. So I left, I left teaching. We ended up opening up a video production company and we produced instructional videos. Most of those were self-help type videos, hobbies and things like that. Did that for a while. And then in my 30s, uh, my husband had sort of a, a midlife change. He left a very lucrative real estate job and felt called to the ministry. So we uprooted our family. He went to seminary and I was kind of trying to figure out at that point what I was going to do because we had sold the video company and I'd left my teaching job. So I had to figure out where do I go from here? I happened to meet someone who had owned a manufacturing company and he'd relocated down from up north and he was needing someone to go in and work with his leaders and to work in human resources. So he made me an offer one day. He said, Hey, if you're interested, I'd love for you to come to work for me. I just need somebody with great people skills. I know you don't know HR, but that's okay. I'll send you to whatever you need, whatever classes you need to get that. So very graciously, he did that. And that's how I ended up in my next career in human resource. Now, hang on a minute. What are, how much time has gone by? How old are you now at the beginning of your third different career? So in my third career, I was now in my 40s. It appears that I change careers every 10 years. <laughs> so uh, I was now in my 40s. I was starting that midlife change and starting to think about life. And uh, somebody told me that life began at 40. You know, a lot of people fear 40. They think, oh, I'm over the hill. What am I going to do? And someone kept saying, oh, life begins at 40. So I thought, well, heck, I'm just going to start counting over. So I decided that I would just think of myself as just starting life. When I was five, I was coloring. And when I turned 10, I came home with a hula hoop. And my husband said to me, why are you at 10, literally 50, bringing home a hula hoop? And I said, well, when I was 10, I liked a hula hoop. So it put a whole different perspective on my life and what I could do, because now I thought, hey, I've got a whole long life ahead of me now because I've started over. Frankie, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm so, I am so excited that you mentioned this because I have been talking about this concept with my clients too, that midlife is the beginning. It doesn't have to be the end. It is just a thought. When you think about midlife or any age, it's completely neutral. It's just what we make it mean that, that creates the drama, the negativity, the fear. 
And so I love that you're hula hooping at 50 and starting your third career because honestly, I did not, I was way too fearful to, to start things completely differently like you did. Um, it's really fascinating. I know you just probably think of it as, well, it's just, I don't know. Somebody told me that 40 could be the beginning. So now 40 is the beginning. Like you're really rolling with the punches in a very different way than I did. And I know um, your perspective is very, um, it's very positive and fluid, which I'm, I, I just love hearing you talk about the way you think about opportunity and, and what you did. It's different. And Susie, I think you absolutely hit on it. I think it's the mindset. I think the reason a lot of women don't make the changes that they need to make in their life is absolutely the mindset. They either think, oh, I'm too old, but you know, you're never too old to be what you could have become. Or they think, well, somebody else is going to laugh at me, or this is not what I was meant to be. And how many women have you met, and I'm sure because you meet hundreds and hundreds of women in their midlife, who maybe started a career because it's what their parents told them they should do. Oh, yes. Get out of college, get a good job with a 401k. And one of my clients once said, I'm 50 years old and I feel like I've lived somebody else's life. So sad. And, oh, broke my heart. It was, it was just so, so sad to think that way. But there are a lot of women that think that. They think, well, whatever I start with, I have to keep on going because after all, who, who just leaves a, a career and changes life? But it is a mindset. It begins with the thought in your mind. Again, that knock in the car that there is something I want to change. And then that thought that says, I can do this. You have to emotionally get ready to say, I can and I will do this. Exactly. And that kind of um, belief, like we really do need to start believing things that we don't yet believe. Because if we relied solely on what we know to create the things that we think about, we will not grow because that's where we are now. What we're currently thinking is creating our current reality. So it's imperative to start believing things that you don't yet believe if you want to grow. If you're satisfied with feeling stagnant, then you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and growth, change is growth to me. I mean, when you think of plants and, and everything that grows, if it doesn't change, it's not growing, it's dead. And that's a horrible, horrible way to live my life, thinking, okay, everything's done, I'm over. So uh, I am kind of a 60-year-old in a 30-year-old body. So <laughs> my, my body may not have kept up with the change, but my mind is still, still young. But, you know, when I was in my 40s, I was going through that midlife thing. And it was a lot. You know, my husband had made a change. He was in the ministry. I was in a brand-new career in human resources. But one of the things that I started realizing as I was working with leaders in that company was that there were a lot of people that were coming to me and they thought they had issues with their job. But as we talked and as I coached, which at that time, I was just learning a lot about coaching, but when I had not even become certified at that point, I realized that it wasn't really their job that was the issue. Sometimes it was something going on in their family, or sometimes it was their body image that they were dealing with, and they were just blaming it on their job. So I began to kind of look at women as the whole person and, and what was keeping them stuck in these jobs where they were miserable and what was keeping them from change. So I continued on uh, doing the, the leadership and the, the HR in the forties. But at the same time, my mom passed away. And you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times when you have something tragic like that happening in your life, it does 
cause you to rethink? It absolutely does. It's a uh, it's a wake up call, and wake up calls can be very jarring. And certainly, losing a parent would I would definitely classify as a wake up call. Well, if you think back to nine eleven, how many people? It was staggering that actually changed careers or started businesses after nine eleven because all of a sudden they realized how short life was, and that in the next five minutes, how their life could change. So I think when you have something like that, you know, I was very close to my mom. And when I realized that, oh, you know, I just always thought she was going to be around. I just never thought about her not being there. It was very sudden that it happened. I began to think about what do I want to do? You know, this could be me tomorrow. So what do I really want to do with my life? And at that time, I really got excited about coaching, became more involved in coaching, uh, ended up becoming certified as a coach, was still working at that time in a corporate job but ended up moving to Nashville and in Nashville worked for some great companies. I worked for Gaylord Entertainment here, which is one of the largest entertainment companies or at that time was in Nashville on the Grand Ole Opry and the Ryman Auditorium. And I got to work with a lot of artists and creative people. So that was exciting for me. And I began not only doing leadership, but doing more one-on-one coaching. And why did you move to Nashville? Well, again, that was a life change for my husband. Remember, he had gone into the ministry, and he had a call from a church in Nashville, Tennessee. And I do believe that things happen for a reason. We were living in a very small town at the time, and my daughter had gone away to college. As I said, my mom passed away, and I felt like an orphan because I was an only child. And so I had no brothers and sisters. I had no parents left. And my daughter was now in school in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I never even thought about moving to Nashville, but all of a sudden, out of the blue, my husband gets a call one night from a church in Nashville, Tennessee, talking with him about coming to pastor here. So that's actually what brought us to Nashville uh, by way of, again, you thought, I think we have to follow those opportunities. You mentioned a while ago, just, just be open to new opportunities. We can go kicking and screaming, or we can look at it as, hey, this is a great opportunity, and I don't know what's going to come out of it, but let's give it a shot. So we moved to Nashville, and as I said, I was uh, working in leadership, human resources. But after my mom died, I woke up. I knew something was not right, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up one night. Now, at that time, I was waking up about 3 o'clock in the morning every night. I know a lot of women that go through uh, midlife change do that. Totally. But I was waking up, uh, and I heard Oprah say one time that she was up peeing every night at 3 o'clock. So I thought, well, if nobody else is up, here it's me and Oprah. I'm sitting in my bonus room uh, surfing the TV, and she's, you know, peeing. But anyway, I, I just started thinking about changing change, and I started watching TV and surfing through, and food commercials came out. If you've ever looked at 3 o'clock in the morning, there are a lot of food commercials. Now, you mentioned that I'm a Southern girl. And Southern women love fried food. It doesn't matter what it is. You could take sticks, salt, pepper, and flour them and throw them in grease, and we would think it was good. So I started thinking about, hmm, I would love to have some fried chicken. Now, this is 3 o'clock in the morning. You are cracking me up. (laughs) So I'm surfing surfing, the TV and seeing what's on channels, food channels that come on, thinking about fried chicken. But I really need to lose this weight because I'd gained some weight. And since my mom passed, that was kind of an issue. I'd started putting on some weight. But boy, that fried chicken would be so good. 
Now, I'm not really a great cook, but I started thinking, I think I've got some chicken in the freezer. And, you know, if I went downstairs and thawed that chicken out in the microwave, now my favorite meal, if I ever had my last meal, it would be rice and gravy, fried chicken, butter beans, cucumbers, tomatoes, and biscuits. So I thought I could fry that chicken. I could cook some of those butter beans and rice. Don't know how to make biscuits. But I was seriously planning on having that meal done, and I could have it ready about 5 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. So as I'm doing this, I keep thinking about cooking the fried chicken. I keep thinking, oh, how am I ever going to lose this weight? I really want to lose this weight. And all of a sudden, I heard, and it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't a woo-woo. But clearly, to me, it said, don't eat the fried chicken. (laughs) And I said, okay. Here I am at three o'clock in the morning complaining about my weight, and yet I'm seriously considering going downstairs and frying chicken and eating it. So all of a sudden, I grabbed a notebook, and I started writing, and I wrote a program that night called Extreme Life Change. I outlined the whole program, and it really is about taking accountability for your life, and that's a program that I use with, with my clients, and it's my signature program that I use in my coaching because you can't complain about being fat and keep eating the fried chicken. You can't complain about being in debt and keep spending money on your credit cards. So there has to be that accountability. And that's when I began coaching and I uh, began looking at life coaching that is a full-time job. Began doing that uh, more and more, developed clients, had some uh, women that I had groups to do. And then in 2008, I actually left my full-time job at that time. I just knew that I wanted to do coaching full-time. Left my job, didn't realize that the economy was going to crash. My husband got extremely ill at that point, and I ended up going back to the corporate world for a while. And then in my 60s, my word of the year, and I had, if, if the women on the call don't have a word of the year, I strongly encourage them to do that because it keeps me focused every year on what I want to do. And my word that year was freedom. And I knew I needed freedom in my life. I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I wasn't happy. I was driving in Nashville traffic. And in Nashville, if you asked, how long does it take to get somewhere? I would say, oh, 10 minutes, an hour and a half. You know, it just depends on the traffic. So at that point, that was when I ended up in my fourth career. I walked in, quit my job on a Monday afternoon. And by that Friday, they had given me a contract. Uh, as a consultant, and I actually have um, people in the organization that I coach now. Wow, Frankie, that is such an interesting story uh, about uh, pivoting when you, I I guess you're really trusting your gut, like, um, because I did not trust my gut, and I didn't understand why I didn't trust my gut, but trusting your gut is really not in your gut. It's really a thought that creates some kind of a feeling. And most of us just bury it. We ignore it because it's too, it's too scary to act. And a lot of what I talk to my clients about is regret proofing and is to really think about what you want, like allowing yourself to have the awareness and to connect with that, like your heart of hearts or that feeling in your gut or that talk that that talk in your mind about the chicken or or whatever it is that's pushing you a little bit for forward but what most of us do is we say up oh, like you said before I'm too old that's too scary it'll never happen I'd have to go back to school it's too hard what would people think all those thoughts get in the way but really 
you look at your life and the way that you allowed yourself to have the thought and you listened to it, like you acknowledged it and you kind of leaned into the fear and you thought about what was possible, rather than getting hung up on the fear um, in a way that it would just allow you to retreat and not grow, just to stay in that situation. I, I don't think most of us realize what the net negative effect is when we aren't in alignment with, with our passions and what, like the way we really think that we can make a contribution. Like we just think, oh, it's too scary or I'm afraid, but you don't really think about what all the negative effect is of you not leaning into it, the people you're not able to help, the happiness you're going to keep yourself distant from. And I just love that you've gotten, uh, you have a 40-year track record now of honoring that voice inside of you and leaning into the unknown. I just find it remarkable. I really do. It's, I think it's very courageous. And, and you're absolutely right, Susie. It is, a, it is recognizing that, again, that knock in the car, your gut feeling, whatever it is that's saying something needs to change, even if you don't know what it is. I think a lot of women don't make change because they, they stop there and go, well, I, I'm not really happy, but I don't really know what I want to do. I don't really know how to do it. Uh, and so they don't recognize that and they don't acknowledge it and they stop and get stuck where they are um, exactly like you said. So I think recognizing that and, and moving on that and realizing that when you get to that point, if you don't do something, the negative effects, as you said, the regret. Physically, when I, when I quit my last full-time job, and moved into life coaching, which will be uh, probably my last career, although uh, I'm actually doing speaking as well, and that's something that I'm looking forward to doing more of. But when I did that, I was at the point where I was physically and mentally exhausted, and that was because I was not fulfilling my passion. I wasn't doing what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I was making progress. I had a, a great six-figure income, but I was physically killing myself with that job. And that's, that's unfortunately one of the negative effects that I see of women where they start having uh, some horrible physical ailments. And I think a lot of times it's because their gut feeling has said, you need to be doing something different. Exactly. So could you tell us with all of this experience, what have you learned? What advice do you have for other women in the middle who sense, it's kind of like Whoville, right? Remember Horton Hears a Who? that there's a little tiny voice, they're trying to hear it, it might just be a whisper. Um, when they sense that they have a thought about what it is that they would rather do, what advice do you have for them to lean into it? Well, again, first of all, you got to recognize that it's there. And when you recognize that it's there, don't think that you have to have it all figured out. You may not know exactly what the voice is even saying. The voice may just be saying something needs to change at that point. Because sometimes you only know in the next 10 minutes what you need to do. But I think as you start listening, um, I journal a lot. I spend quiet time. I love to, uh, I love water. So I always try to find places of water where I can hear water moving. If I'm feeling that in my, in my gut, as you say, or feeling that in my heart, that something's not right. Because when I'm around water, it tends to encourage me. Some people like the mountains. So find that, I think your environment is very important. Get in that environment that really speaks to you and then just start listening and just start imagining what is it that you really like to do. There's a, 
there's actually a tool that I use uh, with all my clients when they start with every client that I start with and every group that I start with called a wheel of life. And I'll be happy if any of your listeners want to uh, shoot me an email at uh, frankieallen.com. I'll be happy to send that to them with instructions on how to use it. But that wheel of life is a really good quick exercise for seeing kind of where the knock is and what it is you feel like you're missing in your life. Oh, I love that. And thank you so much. And what's your, um, is that the best way to get a hold of you by email or is there a website? Yes, I do have a website. It is uh, currently under new construction. So uh, FrankieAllen.com is the website, but you can email me directly at Frankie at FrankieAllen.com and I'll be happy to shoot that out uh, to anyone that would like to have it. And again, it's just a good first step. And I use this tool myself about every quarter during the year just to kind of evaluate where I am in life and if, if I'm looking at hey something doesn't seem to be working what is it and try to figure out what that is so uh, that's one of the first things I say to listen um the second that I've learned is you just can't beat yourself up in 2008 when I thought I was going full-time into coaching I didn't know the economy was going to crash I didn't know my husband was going to get sick life happens life happens to all of us and so I could have beat myself up and said, well, you're never going to take it. You're never going to be a coach. You're never going to be able to do this because you tried it. It didn't work. Well, it didn't work because the timing wasn't right. But I kept making small steps. And I think that's the, the other thing I've learned is as long as you keep making steps forward, you'll end up where you need to be. It's when we stop. It's when we stop trying that we don't get there. That is such great perspective. And you know, I talk a lot about um, that knock, the car knocking in terms of being in a midlife funk, but it looks like we both described it the same way. It's that feeling that something's not right. And mm -hmm. I totally agree with what you said that, you know, we get hung up when we try to have perfection. We try to have it all figured out and have all the answers, but it's enough of a first step to figure out what it is and not how. Like you don't need to have all the answers, but you do need to take that baby step, which I often think is really just awareness, just acknowledging that you do have that thought, that pit in your stomach, that gut reaction, that knock in the car, whatever it is. Because also I like to think, well, you know, what would I advise my kids if they told me that they had a hunch or a, a little bit of a yearning or, or something like that? I would never say ignore it and go on for 20 years. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that's one of the things that I have been very clear with my daughter. I have always said, listen, you do what makes you happy. I don't care what, what job you have, what career you have, whatever you do, do what makes you happy. One of my clients that I had, uh, he, was, uh, he was very young. I was actually an attorney, but his parents had, had told him, he came from a family of professionals, that when he went to college, he could either be a doctor or a lawyer. And as long as he was on that path, they would support him financially, emotionally. They would make sure that he, all of his needs were taken care of. And he was very creative. So he chose that path because that's what the parents said. But at the same time, he kept moving steps forward to get where he wanted to creative. Uh, and I'm glad to say that now he owns uh, an entertainment company here in Nashville. He's never hung his shingle up, never was a lawyer but he kept taking those baby steps toward what he really wanted to do. And I think so many times as parents, we do that for our kids. We want security for their life, but there is nothing secure in life. 
you can lose a job in the next five minutes. I have sat down with many people who were busy working and all of a sudden I had to sit down and say, hey, you no longer have a job. So there is no security whether you work for somebody else or work for yourself, but you have a much better chance of making your life the way you want it, I think, if you just listen to your heart. There you go, Frankie dropping a truth bomb. (laughs) Frankie, thank you so much. Your perspective on the importance of pivoting and not being afraid about what uh, could be in front of you and to use your insight and your ability to trust yourself along the way as you take steps toward that journey to really honor yourself, it's remarkable. It's funny that it feels remarkable, but it really does because there are just so many of us uh, indulging in fear and confusion rather than leaning into it and just trusting that there will also be more amazingness in front of us, maybe even more possibility, maybe even more excitement than was behind. That really what you're going into could just be the beginning of something more exciting that you could even imagine. Thank you so much for your contribution. And it was just so great to see you again. Thank you, Susie. It has been awesome being here. I love the work you do. And uh, I'm looking forward to all the great things that all these ladies in midlife are going to do. Remember, life begins at 40. That's it for this episode. I'm sure you'll agree. Frankie has been quite successful in pivoting and reinventing herself, no matter her age. Her approach to change really, really struck me. I love that she actually had a mission statement for her life. She loved that too, right? And it sounds like it really helped her confidently be able to steer the ship that is her life. What about you? Do you think that's something you could do? I think you should give it a try. What's your purpose, your mission, the thing that drives you no matter what you're doing? It would be like a constant motivator no matter the job that you have, no matter the volunteer commitment. It's like it's a a thread that goes through your life. Her example really illustrates that. She worked in several completely different fields. Crazy different, right? But her mission remained the same. I would love to hear what you come up with. My mission, for sure, is to help midlife women get excited about their lives again. I think of myself as an upbeat, friendly midlife guide, (laughs) and I feel compelled to help you see and create opportunity for yourself. I love it. It's such a strong motivator in my life. Now, I also loved what she had to say about understanding your thoughts, too, or what she called it, the knock-in-the-car syndrome. The idea of listening for that inner wisdom, that whisper, that voice, that something has to change. And I really want to challenge you on this. I want you to listen for that sound, the sound of your own brain thinking things, rather than thinking that you don't know what you want. I have a feeling you do know. So ask yourself, what if you knew? What if you did know, then what would you do? The first time one of my mentors asked me that, it was Brooke Castillo. I almost laughed because it seemed like such a weird question, but guess what? I did know, and asking me to think about my inner wisdom that way, it unstuck me, and I saw what I actually wanted. And finally, remember Frankie's advice to do what makes you happy. Now, I know you've heard this before. You grew up hearing it. You've read it. You've seen it in cartoons and magazines and books on TV, everywhere. But there really isn't anything that is absolutely secure in life, just like Frankie pointed out. And if that's what you're looking for, you're going to have a problem. So what I would do is encourage you to dig a little deeper, 
about what feeling secure actually means to you. The thing is that security is a feeling, and when you feel secure, the feeling is created, like all other feelings, from the way you're thinking. So actually, it's available to you right now, right? That thought is available to you. So think about that a little bit more. It is quite illuminating. This kind of thought work and awareness really is empowering, and I think you'll agree, you really do have more power than you think. Now, I'm excited to hear what you do with all of this helpful information. So make sure to send me an email at info at and give me an update. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. You can email Frankie at frankieallen.com for the wheel of life that Frankie uses in her process. This is also in the show notes. Also, remember to check out my free Facebook group, The Women in the Middle Community at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Women in the Middle Community. It is for women just like you. And finally, if you like what you've heard on today's episode, just head over to The Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review, which of course is greatly appreciated. So thanks in advance. It really means a lot that you take the time to do this and it helps other women find the podcast. Let's do this, ladies, one bold and brave thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening. 